actually has an MBA from the Graduate School of Business from UCLA, and also has a degree in finance from Cal State Long Beach. Uh, one fun thing, I always like to, to know something fun about uh, someone, uh, what is on his bucket list? So on his bucket list he has traveling to Israel, going to the Holy Land, and another is having courtside seats at the LA Lakers game. Yeah, LA Lakers. So Ben, while I can't offer you courtside seats at the Lakers game, I can offer you a seat at my favorite food court. <laughs> so, so, but it's very appropriate about uh, a seat at the food court because Pastor Ben is going to share this morning his message uh, called Give Them Something to Eat. So let's have a uh, warm welcome for Pastor Ben Chaw. Thank you so very much, Rick. Uh, thank you, uh, Layman's Church. Uh, it's an honor and a privilege uh, to be here uh, standing, sitting, uh, just um, acknowledging uh, who we are in Christ Jesus. Um, it's really uh, uh, an, an honor and a privilege. Uh, by the way, those of you guys who just joined in, uh, my name is Pastor Ben. I'm not Pastor Andrew, uh, so you, you guys didn't come to the wrong places. Uh, so um, uh, once again, thank you, Layman Church, for this great opportunity. Uh, would you guys open up your Bible to Math, uh, Mark uh, chapter 6, verse 34 to uh, 44. That's math, uh, Mark uh, chapter 6, verse 34 to 44. Uh, and those of you guys who are at your home, just would you follow along with me? And when it was late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. And send them away, and go into the surrounding countrysides and the villages, and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go buy two hundred denarii worth of bread, and give them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. They commanded them all to sit down in the groups on the grass. So they sat down in the groups by hundreds, by fifties. And taking the five loaves and two fish, she looked up in heaven and said, Blessing, and broke the loaves, and gave it to them, to the disciples, set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And all ate it and were satisfied. They all looked up to the twelve basket full of the broken pieces and other fish, and those who are those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. Amen. Uh, let me pray. Let me just do a quick prayer and let's dive into the Word of God. Father God, we thank you uh, for just this fun experience, Father God, for a layman church to be able to go live stream. I just thank you so very much uh, in all our lives, Father God, for who you are and what you are. And I just pray, Father God, right now, that the Word of God, which is Logos, to be alive at the helms of all the families, Father God, who are watching this live stream. Father God, I thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, as we walk uh, in this thing called the Christian journey, uh, sometimes um, we're kind of overwhelmed by the responses of Jesus. Uh, when we have issues, when we have problems, and we are supposed to go to Jesus, 
And sometimes Jesus does not solve the problem so readily. What he does is he actually asks us little questions. For instance, if you look in Mark chapter 10, when a young rich ruler came to Jesus, he really, really wanted to know, how do I get into the heaven? And do you know the responses of Jesus? And what did Jesus say? Of course, come! I am the truth, the life, and the way. That's not what he said. What did he say to the young rich ruler? He says, you know what, go and sell everything you have. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was that young rich ruler, I would have probably responded just like him. That's not what I was asking from you, Jesus. I want to know how do I get this thing called eternal life. And maybe he walked away, and he did. He walked away from the presence of God. Or, or what about the time when the wine went out at the wedding at Galilee, at Cana? And when the, the servant of the household told uh, Mary, Jesus' mother, Hey, Mary, you know what? We ran out of wine. And, and Mary went to Jesus. And I love the responses. Now, Jesus could have just said, Hey, you water, just turn into wine. And that's solved. And that's not exactly what Jesus did. What did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? He actually told the servants to fill six jars, right? About 25 to 30 gallons of water and give it to your master. Now, those of you guys who read that passage probably says, whoa, what is going on? Because you know what? You just don't bring just bucket of water and lay at the feet of Jesus. And automatically you expect the water to turn into wine. Now, over the course of my life, as I journey through the passage through the book, there are some times where God actually wants us something, especially from the passage that we chose today at, at Mark chapter 6. We all know the story of feeding of the 5,000. But you know what? I really want us to share what does God really, really want us? Because there was a problem, and the problem was the disciples saw so many people. Now, during those times, we know that, you know what, they only counted men. Now, I'm sorry, all those of you guys who are women and children, because during that culture, they only counted men. And so here, we see the feeding of the 5,000, but in an actuality, it's a little bit more. Maybe it's 10,000 because they brought their wives. Maybe, you know what, because of two or three children, that could lead us to maybe twenty to 25,000 people. We don't know exactly how many people were there, but one thing we know that we had 5,000 plus people at this Jesus, crusade, uh, Jesus Christ crusade. And the problem was, the problem was, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Jesus, we have a problem. And the problem is, there are so many people who are following you, but we don't have any food. Now, if I was Jesus, I'm not saying I am, but the reality is that, don't worry, don't worry, my disciples, I got it, I got it. And rather, what did he say? What was the responses? See, as I was going through the passages, I ran over this passage many, many times, and yet, this was the first time I read, and the responses of Jesus was, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. But in actuality, the disciples came to Jesus asking, we have a problem, Jesus. 
Can you solve this problem? And what we do in our lives, that's exactly what we do. We're supposed to go to Jesus. We're supposed to say, Lord, at the, at the helm at your feet, we give this to you and we want you to solve it. But in actuality, Jesus does not say this. And yet he says, you give them something to eat. You know, over the years of my life, I've learned that two of the hardest spiritual road is waiting for the right moment, having the patient to waiting for the right moment and not to be disappointed during our trials. But in actuality, we do. When we have issues, when we have problems, in actuality, we actually go through trials and we actually stumble. And what is exactly does Jesus want us to learn from this great miracle, the feeding of the 5,000. So I'm going to give you about a couple of principles, three principles that we need to learn or we want to learn through this story of the feeding of the 5,000. The reason why Jesus said to the disciples, you give them something to eat, is because Jesus wanted us to check. He wanted his disciples to check their spirituality. Where are we? Where are you? One of the questions that Jesus asked, especially Peter, Who am I to you? All of those people who are following me saying, I'm just a prophet, I'm just a teacher. But Peter, who do you say I am? And I want to ask, those of you guys who have been coming to Layman Church all your life, many, many years, and you've been in the church, you've been grounded in the Word of God, but I want to ask you this morning, in the midst of all the storm called the coronavirus, who is God? Who is Jesus Christ to you? And in the midst of the storm, do you believe that He is in sovereignly in control? Because when Jesus asked His disciples, you give them something to eat, is because He wanted their level. He wanted them to see with their spiritual eyes, not with their physical eyes, to see this great miracle. Um, I had an EMer who was very, very rich, we had a very successful ministry. Um, those of you guys who ride bicycles, you probably are wearing one of his helmets. His company made or makes all the motorcycle helmets in the United States and all over the world. And, and when I first went into his house, I was so amazed how big of a house three-story floor in Irvine, California. It was so huge. It, it felt like, you know, it was Disneyland. And, and when we went and we talked, and one of the reasons why we went over to his house is because his wife was asking me and my wife, Pastor Ben, can you pray for my husband because he doesn't know the Lord? And so we went, we asked. And so uh, I'm going to call him Jonathan. Hey, Jonathan, do you know in the midst of all these things, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And this is what he said to me. You know, I've been going to church all my life, Pastor Ben. It's okay. I, I don't need Jesus. I, I have the most successful business in my life. I'm rich. I'm wealthy. I live in the most affluent, uh, gated community in Irvine, California. I just don't need Jesus in my life right now. And over the years, we've been going and visiting them, and I'm having dinner and lunches with Jonathan. And I've been telling him, you know what? You need to have Jesus as a center of your life. But he didn't really need it. Now, Jonathan had one weakness, and the weakness was having a son. 
See, he had three daughters, and he kept trying. And he told his wife that, you know what, we're going to have many, many kids as long as, you know, we have a son. And yet, the fourth one, and God really, really blessed him, and so he had a, a son. The fourth child was a son. Now, uh, because he loved his son so much, that I found out later on that he actually gave, he changed his will, that he changed his will, that he gave all of the money to his son rather than to his wife and three, to the three daughters that he had. He loved his son very, very much. One day, while he was working in the office, he got a call saying that the maid had told him that your son, whom you love very much, had fallen down from the stairs. And he had fallen down uh, feet, uh, face first. And so he, he actually was playing in the second story, and he fell... And when he landed, as most of us do, is that when we land, we try to brace ourselves with our two hands. And he broke both of his hands, and he had crushed. He had a fracture on his face, and he was rushed to the University of California, Irvine, and to the emergency room. When he, Jonathan went to the hospital, the doctors came and says, the good, good news is that we could operate, and your son will be okay. But the bad news is that because he's young, and because if we actually put him under, there might not be a chance that he might not come alive. So we need to have surgery without any anesthesia. Now, the father was really, really shocked. You know, a lot of us, especially me, you know, with a little paper cut, we're, we're screaming, and yet he's going to operate, the doctors are going to operate on my son for several hours without any anesthesia. And the doctor had told Jonathan, Sir, what we want you to do is come into the hospital, the operating room. We want you to hold down his feet. We will make sure his arms are tied down, but we want you to make sure, because we're trying to have surgery without his anesthesia, we wanted to make sure that your son will be calm. And so he goes into the hospital room, operating room, and everything is in order. And as they're about to cut, as they're about to suture up his face, of course, the son begins to shout. He begins to cry out. He begins to say, Daddy, 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 Daddy. And the father was at the bottom, at the feet. And the only thing that he could do, the only thing that he could do was to, to hold on to his feet. And there at that moment, all of a sudden that three years or three and a half years of ministry or giving in the gospel held in because this is the testimony that what he said. He said, you know what? At that moment, before this operating table, I thought I was on the top of the world. That nothing that, that I have could overcome. That I was in control of all my life. And yet, right here at this moment, there was nothing that I could do for my son except for to hold down to his feet. And at that operating table, he gave a very, very simple prayer. It says, Lord, if you are real, if Pastor Ben is right about you being in control of my life, right now, Lord, would you, would you make sure that my son goes through this operation without any feeling? And Lord, would you, and as he was holding down to his feet, as he finished his prayer request, his son became unconscious. 
And he was able to go through the operation without any pain. And after coming out of the operating table, he actually gave his life to the Lord because he realized that there was nothing in this world, even though he had money, he had power, he had fame, he realized that, you know what, there was a, something of a higher being who was in control of his life. And the first thing that Jesus, by saying to the disciples, is saying, you give them something to eat, is because he wanted his disciples to check where they were in their spiritual life. And I want to ask you, you know, a lot of times we have this kind of a concoction that, you know what, because we've been going to church all of our life that, hey, I'm very, very spiritual. You know what, I've been going to layman church for 20-something years. And I realized something that, you know what, how long or the duration of our life doesn't really re equate with your spiritual level. Our spirituality really, really relates to how intimate of a relationship that you have with Jesus. You know, one of my mentors told me that I am never in control over what's around me, but in control what's inside of me. And every time that when I wake up and I realize, Lord, I am nothing, and you increase so that I must decrease, and realizing that you are in control of my life. And that's one of the reasons why Jesus told the disciples, you give them something to eat. The second thing, the second thing, that we need to learn or we want to learn from this passage is because now you realize that this problem of feeding the 5,000 you have no control over. You can't do this. And what God wants, what Jesus wants us to do is, you know what, now you realized your spiritual level. I want you to toss that problem back to me. You see, the problem isn't for your solving. I want you to give that problem more to me because you can't solve it, and the only person that you can who can is myself. In the story of Jesus turning the water into wine, I learned something very, very valuable. You see, you see, if you treat Jesus as only a guest, you're never going to be able to taste the best wine. But until you treat Jesus as the master of your life, then Jesus turns the water into the best wine of your lives. And some of you guys who enjoy wine, you know, I didn't even know that there was a, such a thing as 10,000 or 50,000 uh, wine. I didn't even know. I just, wine was wine. And yet, those of you guys who enjoy tasting a good, fine wine, well, let me tell you, until you accept Jesus Christ as your master of your life, you're never going to uh, be able to taste the best wine of your life. And this is in actuality. Is that You know what? Now that we can't solve this problem, what Jesus wants us to do is to toss that problem over to Him. And how do we do that? And what's the best way? And the best way is to do what? Is by prayer. You know what? I realized through this coronavirus that this circumstances, uh, I was in, um, at the market on, on Friday. It took me 45 minutes to buy eight, tubes of cream line for 45 minutes just buying eight tubes of cream cheese it, it was pandemic it, it, the the line from the cash register to all the way to the end i was in 45 minutes this is crazy everybody was you know i feel like we were in a christmas or thanksgiving everybody was buying anything so they ran out of like 
like pastas, rice, water, like hand sanitizer, Clorox wipe. It was pretty crazy at the Safeway that I was at. And I realized something as I watched people buying all these things is that, you know what, in life, circumstances may not change. And you won't. And, and, and the person behind me, it was so funny, this guy, he bought like maybe like a couple hundred dollars worth of groceries. And he was right behind me and he was said, you know what, I bet you this coronavirus will end in two weeks. And he has this, he bought this, 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 this human, humongous groceries. And I thought it was pretty funny. But realizing that circumstances might not change. We don't even know when this coronavirus will end. But our responses can. You see, our prayer life needs to be bigger than our trials. Our prayer life needs to be bigger than our trials. And one of my mentors only told me something very, very valuable in terms of prayer. Is that if we only pray when we're in trouble, oh man, then you're in trouble. You see, we, we have this tendency of, of relying upon God when we are in trouble. And by no means, if there are cancer in your house or if there are hardships, it's, it's a natural tendency if you are Christ's followers to go at the feet of Jesus and to pray. And, but I've learned over the years is that Jesus is like ha having a spouse. You see, my wife wants to know everything about me. You know, when we go to bed, before we go to bed, we talk about two, three hours about everything that has happened. My spouse, my wife wants to know exactly what I'm going through, how I'm going through, and all my feelings. And that's how we get intimate. And that's exact realization of how God, or our Father Jesus, wants our intimate relationship. God doesn't just want us to go at when we're in trouble. Hey, Lord, I have this big problem, so you know, would you solve this problem for me? But what God wants is, you know what, every the level of intimate relationship, be able to confess to Him, Lord, You are my Master, and I want to be this intimate relationship with You. And I read, a, a, actually, I saw a very funny story. Those of you guys who know Francis Chinese, right? You guys all know who Francis Chan is. Uh, I, I, I actually had an opportunity to um, minister with him, his, with his church, actually. Uh, our church in Northridge was right next to Simi Valley where his church was growing. His church was, a, was considered a mega church. Now, uh, one of the YouTube channels that I was listening to his sermon, he talked about how God really, really blessed his ministry. He, he was talking about in the beginning stage of his ministry when he started with just few families at, at his apartment to become this, this mega church in Simi Valley. First initial stage, as he was reading to the, to the passage of feeding of the 5,000, he came across and, he, and God was compelling him to, you know, Francis, I, I want you to feed. I want you to go to your community and feed the homeless people. So the first Thanksgiving at this small apartment complex, he decided to feed 5,000 homeless people. So he gathered all the people and said, you know what, guys, for this Thanksgiving, for two and a half, three months away from now, we're going to feed 5,000 people. And he shared his vision. This is why God wants us to do this. And, and everybody was, you know, aboard. They were excited. And except for one person, one person says, Francis, it can't be done. And a lot of times, I realize, a lot of times, people who follow the vision of the pastors, but their people actually say, Pastor Ben, Pastor Andrew, 
it can't be done. Because if you actually look, it's not here, but if you read in the book of John, chapter 6, verse 6 through 9, we actually know who those two disciples are who came to Jesus. Jesus, we can't feed all these people. Even 200 denarii worth of food is not going to be able to feed all these 5,000 people. We know those two disciples. One of them was Philip, and one of them was Andrew. And Philip was the one. Jesus, we can't feed with 200 denarii worth of food is going to be able to feed these people. And so Francis said, you know what? We're going to do this. We're going to do it in spite of this person's opposition. And two weeks before the Thanksgiving, he was short 500 turkeys. He was short 500 turkeys. And he was getting anxious himself. You know, he cast a vision and said, we're going to feed the 5,000. So he gathered up all his leadership and said, guys, we're 500 turkeys short. And now Philip amongst the mists, after that, he says, I told you, Pastor Francis, it can't be done. <laughs> and two days before, once again, he gathered up his leadership and says, guys, let's pray. Let's pray. And after the prayer, that same person said, it can't be done, Pastor Ben, and they left. One day before Thanksgiving, there was a knock on their, their church, their office. It was Treasurer Joe's. And, and they asked, hey, you know what? I don't know if this is the right place that I can, but you know what? This morning we came to Trader Joe's, our, our, our office, our, our, our store, and our freezer broke. And all the turkeys that were in our freezer, in our freezer, they're all being thawed, and we can't use it. So would you like to have, check this out. This is not my story, guys. This is on YouTube. You could check it out. You want 500 turkeys. And so he was able to feed 5,000 homeless people on the first Thanksgiving. Now, the story doesn't stop there. Right after feeding of the 5,000, they had a glorious, glorious first Thanksgiving with the homeless people. And all of a sudden, Francis got a, got a uh, uh, if you call it inspiration, or God was telling him to feed 10,000 people during Christmas, which is only a month and a half. And, and Francis says, no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. He says, no, I want you to feed 10,000 people. And so he gathered up his leadership again. Hey, guys, you wouldn't believe this, but you know what? God wants to feed us 10,000 people a month, a month and a half away, which is in Christmas. Now, that same person who just saw this great miracle, wouldn't you believe, said, you know what? I believe you, Pastor Francis, and we could do this. But the same person said, it can't be done. It can't be done. So fast forward the story. Two weeks before, not only this time, he was 500, but he was 5,000 turkeys. And he was, he was short of other food too. And so once again, Francis, not knowing if this was the will of God, he got anxious. Now two days before, this is a true story, and it's not my story. This is a Francis Chance story. He gathered up his leadership and he started to pray. Right after prayer, that same person came up after prayer. Pastor Francis, it can't be done. Kid you not, one day before Christmas, there was a knock on the door. Guess who? Trader Joe's. <laughs> I'm kidding you. I'm not kidding you. Trader Joe's comes in and says, Hey, Francis, I don't know what happened. We just fixed our freezer a month and a half ago. We came in. Our freezer is broken. And all the refrigeration in the store is broken. 
So we can't sell any of the food. So would you like to have? Would you like to have all the food at our store? And so he was able to spend the first Christmas feeding ten thousand people to the homeless. Isn't that amazing? Sometimes we get the responses of people. We have people like Philip who denies, "Lord, that can't be done. Even two hundred denarii worth of food cannot buy or feed the five thousand. And yet God says to us, "No, look, you could only see me as a guest, so you will never be able to experience the miracle of your life. But if you expect me to become in your house to be the master." Then you become or experience the miracle of life. You know, a lot of times when when I go through the passages, this religion called Christianity is a religion of miracles. If you were to take out the miracles, every miracles, and I've done it before, we would only be left with few pages. And yet, if this and today's story is a story of miracles, but sometimes we kind of negate it, we downplay. You know what the greatest miracle is? Me standing here as a pastor. I'm sure, you know what? We see these miracles upon miracles, healing and, and healing upon death, mute, or, or, or eyesight. But realization, you know what the greatest miracle is? The greatest miracle is transforming one person's life. We were what? Our old self. And now what? We are a new self, a new made man or woman. In Christ Jesus. I think that's the greatest transformation. I think that's the greatest miracle that we could really, really say. I used to be this way, but now I'm a born-again Christian. And that's kind of the testimony. If you are solid, if you have an identity in Christ Jesus, I really believe that, you know what, that, that could really, really personify of telling other people, you're confident. A lot of times, you know what, we don't really share the gospel is because we're not confident of who we are as a brand new, transformed people upon what Jesus Christ did in our lives. So the second thing is, you know what, the problem is not for your solving. It's not for our solving. You can't do it. But I want you to toss that, that problem back to me because let me prove to you how I can show, how I can feed the 5,000 people. And once again, if we only pray when we're in trouble, you know what? I think our life, our Christian life will be in trouble. Now, everyone, we all know the story of feeding of the 5,000, right? We read it. I remember my son coming to me and says, Daddy, Daddy, can it be possible? And I knew one of the stories that our Sunday school teacher had told him is, it's one of those stories. I remember one time my son came to me and says, Daddy, how can a man be trapped in a fish for three days and survive? And I knew the Sunday school teacher had taught him about Jonah. And this time, my, my son comes to him and says, Daddy, Daddy, he goes to the kitchen. He gets uh, uh, two fish and five loaves of bread. Daddy, I want you to feed 5,000 for me. And I'm going, oh no, I'm in trouble. And I knew that his Sunday school teacher had just learned or taught him about feeding of the 5,000. You know, we know this story. All of you guys who grew up in the church, we know that this story is a very powerful, this is a really, really miraculous story. And sometimes, you know what? We just close at that. We just stop and say, so, okay. You know, one time, as I was going through the entire Bible and I came upon this passage, and all of a sudden I stopped here 
and a kind of a vision or a, a story which began to just kind of ponder in, in my mind. Now, this is not in the book, guys. This is not in the Bible. But all of a sudden, as I was meditating upon this passage of feeding of the 5,000, all of a sudden, God gave me a story in my life. And I want to share this as I conclude. And the story is this. And that morning, that morning, in a small household, there was a mother. And it's always a mother. It's never a dad. It's always a mother. Mother was telling Jonathan. And I told you all my story. The guys is Jonathan. He was telling Jonathan, Jonathan, today, I want you to really listen to me very carefully, Jonathan. And this Jonathan is saying, so tell me, that, Mom, what do you mean? This morning, Jonathan, you're going to meet somebody. And you go, who? Just, just, you're going to meet somebody. But Jonathan, I want you to, I want you to remember that I want you to give this lunch pail to him. I, I want you to give him what you have. I feel like sometimes in our life, God is asking not ability, but availability. You see, a lot of times we say, all I have is just two fish and five loaves of bread. What can I do? You know, as I stand uh, back there as, as the worship team was leading and Linda was saying, hey guys, if you guys have any talent, please come. And a lot of times what we do is, like, Look, what can I do with just two fish and five loaves of bread? Nothing. And I realized something. Do you know the reason why this miracle happened? God could have just said, hey, 5,000 people, your, your bellies are filled. Or He could have just said, hey, 5,000 people, we got all this food. But that's not what He did. What did He do? How did He perform this miracle? Is by how much do you have? And this little boy came to the disciples. Hey, all I got is my lunch. And I feel like this morning that, that mom was telling Jonathan, Jonathan, you're going to meet somebody and I want you to give your lunch to him. I want you to give everything that you have. You see, a lot of times in our lives, we actually downplay or we actually say, Lord, I'll give you my life. I'll give you this. I'll give you this after, after, after. Meaning, meaning, you know what, Lord? I'm going to give you my tithing, but you know what? I got to first figure out my mortgage. I got to figure out this, figure out this. And whatever is left over, I'm willing to give it to you. Do you guys know the story? As this story or any of the story that Jesus gives us, Jesus always gives us in parables, right? And you guys know what the story of parable really means? The parable is about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, inside the kingdom, that there is no poverty, right? There is no hunger. And I feel like this two fish and five loaves of bread was a spiritual weapon that God used from this little boy who's willing to give up, willing to give up all that he had. Now, have you ever asked your kids to give up anything? I don't know about you, but I have two kids, and when I tell my kids to give up anything, which is valuable, especially lunch, come on. They probably say to you, no way. And I feel like that morning as I was meditating upon this passage, I feel like this little story where 
God was telling me in a household, as the mother was telling his son, son, today you're going to meet the greatest person of your life. And he's going to need something from you. And Jonathan, I want you to give your lunch pail. Give up your lunch. Because if you give up that, uh, that lunch, you're going to be able to see a greatest miracle that you've ever seen. And I mentioned Jonathan giving up the lunch and seeing, whoa, this is so cool. Feeding the 5, the 10, 15, and 20,000. I feel like what God is saying to the layman church, it really doesn't matter about your ability. It's about more than about availability. And I feel like most of the churches that I go to, we have this thing called a 20-80 principle, where the 20% of the times, only 20% does the 80% of the work. But I want to see it to the reciprocal, or meaning the flip side. Can you imagine if a church have 80% of the people doing all the work? Or even 100% of the people. I know, I, I'm a realist, so I know it's not going to work, but can you imagine having 80% of the people. And that's why I love this church's name, Layman. That all of you guys who are lay people trying to willing up or to give up your lunch or your your availability. Lord, I know I don't have anything. But you know when I trust you, and I know if I by giving up this 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 whatever I have to you, I know they'll be able to experience the greatest miracle of our life. Um this morning as I was driving from my house, and this is something that um, Pastor uh, uh, Andrew shared, is that you know there are a lot of people right now quarantined. I just found out that a couple of people from our your church is, is quarantined too. And they can't go anywhere. There are so many elderly people quarantined too. Wouldn't it be amazing if you guys could go out and reach out to those people? Maybe they, they don't even know who Jesus Christ is in your community, in the city that where you live, to go out and reach out. I think this is a great opportunity. Circumstances will not change, but our outlook, the way we look, and how we God wants us to be used, once again, God doesn't really care about ability, but our availability, our obedience. That's why the Bible says, obedience is much better than sacrifices. And I just want to just encourage you guys to be able to edify you guys through this storm. Look, look at Jesus because He's the only person who's going to be able to calm the storm. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you so very much for this opportunity for me to share. And I pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus, would you allow, Father God, to, to realize that you are the master of our life. Father God, that's the only way that we'll be able to really, really enjoy. Father, I thank you so very much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.